Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello, you're listening to the Wall Street Oasis podcast, a podcast about breaking into the world of finance, along with interviews with those who have. I'm your host, Alex Grodnick, and today we are speaking with Josh Eray. Josh is a very accomplished guy, as well as a deep thinker. He's an entrepreneurship professor at Lehigh, which is where we met. He started his career in investment banking. He's a founder of a couple tech businesses himself. So let's get things going. Josh, welcome to the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a Netflix for finance? Well, there is. It's called Real Vision, and it gives you unprecedented access to some of the most respected names in finance. Watch interviews with legends like Kyle Bass, Jeff Gunlock, Stanley Drunkenmiller, and many, many more. If you want to be part of the Real Vision revolution, visit realvision.com slash WSO. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so you and I know each other from when I went to Lehigh. You are also a Lehigh grad, and now you're a professor there, and you're involved in all these entrepreneurial activities there. But you graduated from Lehigh in 2003. I graduated in 2009. You were involved in the finance department. So, you know It'd be great to just kind of hear your background, how you got to Lehigh, what you do there now, and all that. Yeah, so once again, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, so I'm actually an 02, 03, and 08 graduate at Lehigh, which means you're probably a little bit smarter and having spent less time than me. Uh, that being said, I majored in economics, uh, did a graduate degree in political science, and then went on to study the history of business and technology focusing on uh, STS, science, technology, and society, as well as the development of the modern venture capital industry. Uh, so I was actually working on my history PhD, and I remember you and I were doing some finance jam sessions back in the day. So I was kind of going in between the arts and sciences and the business school and uh, was realizing that when I talked about the VC industry, some folks thought I was talking about the Viet Cong industry. Uh, around the same time, I actually did a uh, program at MIT and decided that I perhaps would have a little bit more fun building companies. And uh, so at that point, uh, left uh, doctoral studies and started building technology companies within uh, mobile, big data, as well as just web. And, uh, you know, kind of got my education at that point just by doing, right? So kind of the learning by doing mentality, that's actually been kind of one of the key features of every course that I teach at Lehigh. That's great. Uh, I completely subscribe to that uh, to that thought of learning by doing, being an entrepreneur, just starting things and learning, learning as you go. And I think that kind of runs counter to a lot of higher education, which is kind of like aim, 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 and then fire versus entrepreneurial mindset of just fire, 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 and then kind of figure out what you have. 
Yeah, well, so I think you're exactly right. I think in school, and maybe you've experienced this yourself, uh, perhaps less at Lehigh, right, because we're a little biased in that that regard, but you, you tend to get away with just memorizing material and and you know, you show up to an exam and then you leave and you forget half or, you know, most of the material. Uh, in entrepreneurship, you have to constantly be learning. In fact, uh, you know, I play a video by one of the co-founders from Rap Genius called Worse is Better, uh, of which, you know, you're never as bad as you are right now. Uh, so if you turn to the person to your left and you turn to the person to your right, you know, that's the worst they'll ever be. And that holds true in entrepreneurship, right? If you're not constantly learning, if you're not kind of build, measure, learn, lean, startup principle type stuff, uh, you're not, you know, getting out of the door and actually applying things. And I don't know how you're actually learning within an entrepreneurial construct. Right. So your background is so interesting. Can you talk to us about balancing? You mentioned balancing the finance with the arts and, you know, where your passions are, kind of how you've, how you came to, to study both of those and then kind of how you uh, gravitated towards towards one over the other? Yeah, so that's a really awesome question. I, I think I think there's a benefit of having both a business background as well as an arts background. Uh, in the arts, you, you get to think critically. In business, you get to learn some of the tangible skills as well as kind of presentation, communication skills that prepare you, whether it's to build a startup or to be in the boardroom for that matter. And I think when you can kind of enter twine the two concepts, I think it makes you uh, quite quite a dangerous candidate uh, for whether you decide to build your own venture or become you know, a, a corporate CEO. And I think both paths are okay. In fact, when I teach uh, entrepreneurship or even graduate management courses at this point, uh, it's okay whether you want to be an entrepreneur now, sometime down the road, or never. Uh, because I, I think the whole personal awareness, self-awareness, aspect of, of education is really, really important. And I think it's important for people to realize that it's okay to to understand who you want to be from an internal perspective and not just live in this external lenses. Uh, from my own personal background, I actually uh, I, I went to Lehigh and lived with my grandparents and actually put myself through Lehigh. I had a uh, I did what's called arbitrage, right, which you're, you're probably familiar with as a, as a finance guy. And uh, so I had a network of thrift shops and I would actually buy fashion, uh, specifically clothes, concert shirts, you know, rock show concert shirt type stuff. And I would actively uh, sell it on eBay and I had a network and individuals that would buy for me. And uh, I was making quite a bit of money actually per semester. And uh, so that's how I got my start being entrepreneurial. In fact, I didn't take any entrepreneurship courses as an, an undergrad. Uh, went to Wall Street after uh, advised on proprietary IPOs, uh, 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 IPOs of proprietary derivatives, and from there decided to uh, go into a doctoral program. And it was upon studying in my doctoral program that I, I kind of couldn't get away from the startup bug and, and ended up having a, a company acquired, one failed, and uh, one I raised money for and actually returned all the money to investors. So I got to experience everything from you know missing payroll to having a company acquired, and I think that's actually been invaluable uh, in the classroom as well. And I think students really appreciate that. Right, those experiences where you're doing starting businesses, you as you say, that's invaluable experience, and it sounds like you're really able to communicate that to students. So how do you communicate that to students when they're sitting in a classroom, you know, learning, not doing? What 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 is the what is like the motivating factor that you're kind of trying to impart to them? 
Yeah, so it's actually a flipped model. Uh, so I think I'm more or less a facilitator, not a lecturer. So for example, uh, you know, we might go over customer acquisition costs, you know, lifetime value of a customer, which is easy to lecture about, but instead I assign the article and I actually have them go out and, you know, go through the customer discovery process, actually do the math and develop their traction channels and actually explain how it relates to their specific idea instead of me just saying, here's the concept, it's good to know, and, and good luck using it in the future. So I, I definitely subscribe to the, you know, relate what they're actually doing to articles, theory, et cetera, and then they have to actually discuss it in the classroom. So it's it's some of a peer pressure model, right? Because they actually have to go and do the work, and then it's displayed. You know, their their one side PDF is actually displayed in front of all their other classmates. So they've got to be able to back those numbers up, and it creates a really interesting dynamic because then other students are saying, "Oh yeah, I I actually had that issue, or I actually know somebody who can help you with this specific problem," and it becomes more of a, a team environment, team atmosphere, and uh, I think it allows them to actually really learn by doing and. I kind of address certain concepts along the way within that facilitation. Right. That format sounds awesome. Yeah. And I, I think that's just because when I was in the education system, I, you know, once again, I have photographic memories, so I would be able to look at my notes and, and pretty much just verbatim, you know, write answers in a, in a blue book or, you know, uh, in a, an essay exam, whatever it might be. And uh, I found that that wasn't necessarily conducive to learning at the end of the day. I, I feel that if you truly want to be an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, if you truly want to be uh, a disruptive innovator, and we can get into that for sure, uh, you really have to go through the pain, the, the emotional roller coaster. I, I think Reed Hoffman said it best when you know, entrepreneurship's like jumping off a building and, and learning how to build a plane on the way down. I try to create that learning uh, how to build a plane on the way down experience as much as possible. And uh, I think ultimately it's it's a form of tough love, but I, the students uh, ultimately really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we've definitely had some some pretty cool uh, ideas and ventures come out of out of the class as a result. That's great. Yeah, I'd love to get into what this class is that you teach the classes are, the strategic management, disruptive technology and innovation. Are these undergrad or, or grad courses? Yeah. So I teach at the undergrad and graduate level. Uh, so undergraduate entrepreneurship, graduate strategic management and disruptive innovation. Uh, in fact, in disruptive innovation, it's part of Lehigh's one MBA program. So they actually offer an MBA in one year. And they have uh, what's called integrated societal shifts where they focus on topics such as big data, changing demographics, urban regenerization, as well as disruptive innovation. I'm teaching the disruptive innovation uh, portion of the program. And uh, it's really kind of a great opportunity to merge a lot of those critical analytical uh, skill sets with kind of the reality of, hey, we're going through uh, societal shifts right now in terms of you know, demographics being one of them, right? And how does that impact innovation, technology, business, um, you know, moving forward? And and I think, I think kind of more of those integrated, interdisciplinary approaches uh, to MBA curriculum, I think is, is not only important, but integral kind of as we, we face uh, a lot of these te technology and societal shifts. Right. And I think the, the program itself, a one-year MBA, that's innovative. 
Yeah, well, we uh, we've been really fortunate. We have a uh, a fairly new dean, uh, Dean Georgette Phillips, uh, who who's just been spearheading some really uh, fascinating, innovative programs, of which the One MBA is one of them. Uh, in fact, the M Square program, which is uh, which is kind of a graduate management uh, program, is definitely uh, for students that are predominantly art students that just want to get kind of a, more of a business management background before they go into the, the workforce. Uh, so I've been really fortunate to be a part of that and, and kind of seeing this shift from the College of Business and Economics to more integrated interdisciplinary uh, programs. So I've been really quite honored to, to be a part of that. That's great. Really cool. So go into these. The I'd love to hear more about the two grad courses that you teach. Um, so the Disruptive Innovation course is actually going to be taught uh, in May. So it's going to be the first time that it's ever been taught. Uh, it's going to provide students kind of with the historical, theoretical, and practical applications of disruptive innovation. Right? But it's also going to talk about various frameworks, digitization, as well as kind of examine basic primers on such things as artificial intelligence, blockchain, robotics, machine learning, human augmentation, genetic engineering, and virtual reality, and, and kind of the potential incumbent entrant uh, implications of these things. So part of it will be uh, lecture-based. Part of it will be, uh, you know, individuals who are actively creating innovations. So for example, uh, one of the uh, the co-founder of Napsers who I had in my software ventures course, so we'll be discussing that, as well as kind of having real life case studies. Uh, so I'm involved with Techstars, for example. So we'll definitely be working with at least one Techstars company on a real life case study. Because I think it's important to understand the theory and how it's being applied. But then once again, I think it's all about rolling up those sleeves and you know, understanding the the kind of the deeper implications and how it works in the real world. I think uh, the real world application kind of merged with the, the textbook theory is is really the optimal place to be. Absolutely, I think that that sounds really compelling. So, how does how does this period of your career fit in? How do you see it fitting into the broader picture? Is was being a professor always something that you wanted to do is the entrepreneurial bug out of your system now is it still in your system where do you go from here yeah well i think any serial entrepreneur will tell you the bug is never completely out of the system it just manifests itself in in various different forms and in ways uh i think being a, a professor at this point has actually it was manifested itself from this kind of entrepreneurial beginning in the sense of motivating and inspiring people uh, as some individuals who are entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs can attest to it, it's a it can be a very can be very much an emotional roller coaster that that's somewhat cliche but I think at the same time uh, there's a lot of truth behind it you have a lot of ups you have a lot of downs and uh, Sometimes throughout that journey, you learn a lot about yourself and, and what's real and what's not real. So, you know, uh, sending an email at three o'clock in the morning because you want to look uh, you want to look like you're being uber productive isn't necessarily being uber productive. And it to me, it's kind of like you're you're kind of viewing the world in more of an external lens. So part of the reason why I love to teach and you know MBA students as well as undergrads for that matter is just to to motivate and inspire people to understand who they are 
as individuals, right? Because I, a lot of students that come back to me say, you know, I wish I had, you know, had more self-awareness, some personal development while I was an undergrad. And uh, so I really, I really strive to kind of create more of this self-awareness layer in my classes. So, for example, an example would be, you know, uh, an article might be assigned called, you know, uh, on imposter syndrome. And, uh, and we've all suffered from imposter syndrome. And, but for the students to have a conversation around specific examples where they've actually suffered from this and how they might be dealing with it as an entrepreneur, you know, building out their ideas, I think creates a different dynamic, a different layer, a, a whole new conversation that I don't think has really been brought out as much in the education uh, system. I, there's definitely probably other professors who are doing this. But I think the self-awareness layer is huge. I, I think that's why a lot of people go to college, right, to, or to extend their studies through graduate work is to really not only build their tangible skill set, but to really understand who they are, to kind of almost disruptively innovate themselves, right, and and really understand what it's like to uh, to learn uh, from an internal perspective. Uh, because I think those who, who kind of live in this kind of one world paradigm, so to speak, where the focus is external, I think it actually creates more personal pain and suffering. And I actually think on a professional level, it creates a lack of productivity and uh, efficiency. Right. So your passion to motivate and inspire others, I think that's uh, that's inspiring to me. I mean, I wish... I wish you gave imparted some of that to me when when I knew you. And instead of just focusing on uh, learning how to work with time, value of money, and corporate finance, I, I needed I needed some of that uh, self awareness back when I was an undergrad. Yeah, and, and I think it extends to graduate as well. I I, I don't think any of us are are fully fully understand who we are. Uh, but at the same time, I've actually had uh, gratitude exercises in my classroom. And, uh, you know, so, for example, if you go to a, a fellow classmate and you say what you're thankful for at the beginning of a class, uh, I feel like the dynamics, the environment, the energy uh, are totally uh, changed. It transcends the classroom experience and it actually creates, I think, a lot more productivity. Students are willing to work even that much harder and they feel like they're a part of uh, they feel like you're part of the team. And I think when you, you know, have that ability to, to kind of go to that deeper level and, and really help students, not just with the tangible skills, but once again, with kind of understanding who they are and, uh, you know, how you can help them through that. I, I you know, I, to me, it's a no brainer, right? Um, because I, you know, I think at the end of the day, a lot of students will ask, you know, for permission or they'll say, what do you want? Or do you think my idea is good? And and quite frankly, Alex, I don't think you or myself or anybody else is really an idea judge. Or, you know, and I don't think they need permission to go out there and try something, to explore something, uh, to figure out who they are and who they want to be and the impact they want to have on the external world. But once again, I think they learn that by, you know, developing the internal aspect and, and really understanding what it is that drives them and how they can create and affect real change. Uh, one presentation I actually did was around kind of understanding your your life design and first and, and not your business model. So generally we develop a business model 
you know, we build assumptions on it and eventually we were able to validate those assumptions through discovery to create a working uh, business right through that search process. But I really believe you have to understand who you are first and, and kind of go through a life design model and, and then develop a business based off of that. Uh, because I think, you know, you hear about acquisitions and, you know, you hear about uh, entrepreneurs who've been extremely successful, but they don't see kind of the ugly, dirty side of it. And, and like most other things, there there is this kind of ugly, dirty side that, that's masked within the process. So I try to bring that out and try to have students understand that, but also understand if they're okay with that uh, and whether that's something that's conducive to their life goals and what they'd like to achieve. Uh, because I think we all have the potential to do great things, whether you're a Lehigh student or not. And I think it's really important to, you know, to have that mentality, that confidence in whatever it is that you decide to do. So when I have a, a student do an elevator pitch, you know, it's not a concern of mine whether they ever will actually do an elevator pitch or be, they become an entrepreneur. Because quite frankly, they're going to go to that job interview and they're going to have to sell themselves. They're going to have to differentiate. And I believe you're constantly selling yourself. And when you take an entrepreneurship class, when you take a class on disruptive innovation, you are constantly having to sell yourself. Right. And I think most people enroll in MBA programs for, I want to say, harder skills. They want to learn finance and marketing, and then they want job placement and to go get a, get a job. And in this process, whether it's a one-year or two-year program, you end up gaining a lot of these softer, more internal skills you're talking about. And I think probably those are the more meaningful skills that you pick up in the in the program. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Well, so for example, if you have anxiety or depression or loneliness or unhappiness with facets of your life, the tangible skills are great, but ultimately success is really divine, defined by those intangible skills. So, if your goal is to be a, a you know chief, you know executive officer of a company or the the founder of a successful startup, I believe those intangible skills are are extremely important and will manifest themselves in the interactions, the relationships that you have with others, as well as the culture that you develop. Uh, you know, we don't talk a lot about internal and external culture, but, you know, it's very important. I, I, I would choose, you know, individuals who, who've got the highest ethics and I can trust them over those who are just talented and, and perhaps lack in those other areas any day of the week. Uh, so therefore, uh, I believe others w- would also agree that that those intangibles will outweigh the tangibles in the long run. That being said, I think there's, a, you know, kind of this this great middle ground where, where you merge the tangibles and intangibles together. And uh, I think maybe contempt, I think kind of traditional education is perhaps focused on those tangibles, but I think we're, we're seeing a seismic seismic shift towards both the intangibles and the tangibles. And, and I know, especially within the one MBA program that they have three different kind of mentor coaches where, you know, it goes into sociocultural as well as um, internship and employment and, and just kind of internal goal structuring and so forth. So there's becoming more of a support network around that. And at the end of the day, any school is only worth uh, what the students they produce. And if you develop, you know, healthy, uh, productive students who who really you know develop a great sense of self awareness as well as tangible skills for for industry or whatever it is they decide. I feel like it's a win win situation for both. 
Right. So now let's let's come to the advice component of the podcast. So for for people that are in an MBA program or or not or considering, how can they start to kind of become aware of of what motivates them and and what and what drives their self interest and who they are? Yeah. So I think first of all, uh, I, I would definitely put social normalities to the side. So what I mean by that is is you know we're kind of led with certain beliefs we we kind of have this kind of belief system that we're kind of raised with and and if you don't uh follow those certain beliefs uh you're frowned upon or or you know there's some kind of fear component of of not falling in line with the with those belief and values i think ultimately you have to understand what it is that drives you what your values are what your beliefs are and what you can really get passionate about while being passionate doesn't necessarily mean that you'll you'll make tons of money or become uh, successful in the marketplace, uh, the reality is is that you're going to be married to your career, your occupation, your whatever it is that you decide to do. You'll spend more time with with those individuals at work or with your startup than you will with your your spouse, and uh, so you are effectively being married to that. So I would definitely take a hard drive into who it is that that you aspire to be uh, yourself. Maybe you take certain characteristics of others to emulate, but ultimately, how do you want to define yourself? How do you uh, want to be? How do you want to actually live your life and and kind of act accordingly from there? Right. And so, lastly, you started your career out in finance, investment banking. Was that a good decision? Would you do that again? Would you recommend others, you know, undergrads, grads, everyone so consumed with getting these jobs and banking and consulting? Is that a good place to begin your career? Yeah. So I think hindsight's twenty twenty, Alex. Uh, that being said, I, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to that, right? Uh, I think those who want to go into Wall Street or banking uh, for various different reasons, I, I think that's perfectly okay. And, and you know, uh, kudos to them for sure. Uh, I think in retrospect, it was definitely the right move. Uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, suggest, oh, we'll just become an entrepreneur right away. But I think there's a lot of individuals who aren't necessarily ready to be an entrepreneur. And, uh, you know, I don't think I think learning from somebody else, learning on somebody else's dollar is is definitely a, a good way to go. And to kind of fully understand what it is that, that you might enjoy and, and kind of go through discovery that way. So I had a natural uh, interest in entrepreneurship, but as well as markets and arbitrage. Uh, arbitrage still, Alex, gets me very excited at the end of the day. Uh, if I, you know, any kind of large scale arbitrage model is definitely from a startup perspective one that, that I, I get excited about. And uh, I think when you kind of, when you, when you kind of identify those things, uh, you want to test industries and, and different internships that, that make a lot of sense uh, to get involved with related to those interests. I actually was very unconventional in that having a, a startup company 15 years ago while in college wasn't exactly the most trendy thing. I think entrepreneurship, disruptive innovation has been, you know, pivoting, right? You hear that word all the time has become somewhat cliche but i think at the bottom, but i think it's also created a lot of opportunity for people to really discover what it is that they're good at and something that they enjoy and can actually make money doing uh i have zero regrets uh but i definitely followed a non-conventional path you know building a business taking internships doing research uh even took the lsats for fun uh but realized uh, having adhd was not not really conducive to the games portion 
Right. I don't, I don't know if I would call taking the LSATs fun, but uh, yeah, I completely see what you're saying. I don't know that there is such thing as a conventional career path. It's very ups and downs and lots of turns and curves. But I do love the concept of you were had a startup 15 years ago. It was a t-shirt arbitrage business. And now that's kind of uh, played out through your life and career. And maybe you'll have you know some other huge arbitrage business uh, with a, a different product down the line. Yeah, well, I'm I'm actually uh, hoping my students do. In fact, we've had a few success stories with regards to that. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I, you, you hear a lot of these stories of, of people who have become famous, and 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 I think you have to understand what is it that you define success to be. Uh, building a lifestyle business that's worth a few million to me can be just as successful as building a business that's worth a billion dollars. Uh, but so I think you have to ultimately define what it is uh, that that means to you and, and proceed accordingly. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, no regrets for sure. And to have the opportunity to inspire and motivate students at both the undergrad and graduate level is, is a supreme honor for me. I, I think it's a huge responsibility and, and one that I take very seriously. And I think for some of the aspiring uh undergrads that want to do big things or even uh, MBA students or those who are considering doing an MBA, uh, you had a really great point in your life. You're, you're generally young, have limited to no responsibilities. Definitely go out there, take some risk uh, and, and pursue great things because at the end of the day, you don't want to live life with regret, right? I mean, Alex, when you and I are, are both 80, I don't think we're going to look back and say, you know, I wish we had, you know, worked harder that one night. Uh, I think it will really be defined uh, as did we really understand who we are? Did we live life to the fullest? And did we develop a lot of great relationships and, and connections along the way? Because I think it's those experiences that ultimately define who people are. I think if you can merge the tangible, tangible skill sets with those experiences, and when I say experiences, I mean real life experiences, I think you create just a, a all around great uh, learning environment, as well as a great way to develop on a personal level. Uh, it's interesting. I will have students ask me, as I was telling you, uh, what's a good idea and what's not. And I probably wouldn't have thought Build-A-Bear was a great idea 30 years ago. Uh, I may have not thought Snapchat was a great idea when it was just at Los Angeles high schools. Um, the biggest thing is just to execute on it because you can search on Google. You know, you can think about it all day long. But at the end of the day, you need to just execute on it. So I, in my opinion, I wouldn't ask for permission. I would go out there. I'd roll up your sleeves and I would just make it happen, right? At the end of the day, just go out there, make it happen. If that means you want to change where you're at in your career or your life and getting an MBA is, is a definitely a conduit to doing that, then go and make it happen. You don't need permission. And at the end of the day, the only person that you have to look at is, is yourself in the mirror. Now, of course, you may have family and, and a spouse that you know may be in the mirror there as well, and obviously there's some considerations there. But at the end of the day, you have only yourself to look at in the mirror, and you certainly don't want to wake up with regret. I agree. Josh, that was <clears throat> inspiring, thought-provoking. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. And uh, 
you know, in, in the in the notes, please feel free to uh, provide you know my email or contact information uh, for anybody who would like to learn more uh, about kind of the journey, or you know, just has some some questions in general about even the one MBA program here at Lehigh. I'd be more than happy to address it. Fantastic! Thanks so much, Josh, and thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another great guest, so please stay with us. <laughs>